Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of the week's precious metals news. It's Friday, September 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. The Federal Reserve was front and center in the news this week. The Federal Open Market Committee met and hinted at an interest rate hike in December. Janet Yellen said, quote, the basic message here is U.S. economic performance has been good, unquote. That sent gold tumbling. The yellow metal closed below 1300 on Thursday. One gold analyst said, quote, the size of gold's drop shows that North Korea had little to do with gold's late summer surge. The hot money was betting on lower for longer from the Fed. The price has rebounded a bit today and is knocking at the 1300 level again. The current price is at 1296.10. The price of silver is at 1704, and the gold-silver ratio stands at 76.26 to 1. The Fed also announced it will slowly begin to shrink its huge $4.5 trillion balance sheet starting in October. The plan is to let $10 billion in bonds mature each month, slowly ratcheting up that number until it reaches $50 billion per month. How fast that actually happens will depend on economic data, but Yellen said the central bank will definitely continue letting $10 billion in bonds mature each month no matter what the economy does. If things start to slow down, the Fed will cut interest rates before it stops drawing down the balance sheet. Yellen offered a more optimistic assessment on the economy than most people expected. She shrugged off impact of the hurricanes. Of course, She didn't mention the amount of money that will have to be borrowed to pay for relief efforts. We're not only dealing with the destruction in Houston and Florida, Puerto Rico just got hammered. That country is already bankrupt, and it can't just print money like the U.S. There is no way they'll be able to recover without significant help. That means Uncle Sam will be footing the bill. And that brings us to something nobody seems to really be talking much about. How will rising interest rates impact the national debt? As I talked about in last week's episode, any significant increase in rates will crush the U.S. government under interest payments. If the interest rate on the Treasury debt were to increase to 6.2%, that's the level it was at in 2000, the annual interest payment on the current debt would be nearly triple to $1.3 trillion annually. Debt is the big elephant in the room everybody just seems to ignore. So stop and think about this for a minute. How in the world does the Fed bring interest rates up significantly, and that's what they're trying to do? I don't think it can. Neither does Peter Schiff. In his podcast today, he said the Fed was in a box. The Fed is in this box, and I know they're in this box. They box themselves in because they've kept rates so low for so long. They've allowed so much debt to accumulate. It's impossible to allow interest rates to rise, but they can't admit that. So they have to pretend, they have to talk as if everything's going to be fine. They're going to be able to normalize rates. They're going to be able to shrink their balance sheet. None of this is possible. And it's only a question of time before figured out. Peter said earlier this week he didn't believe the Fed would ultimately shrink its balance sheet very much. He said before they even get the tiniest fraction of the way in, they're going to end up having to reverse course because they're not going to allow interest rates to spike. Peter reiterated this point in his latest podcast, saying Yellen and company are playing a game of monetary chicken. Keep in mind, one of the purposes of quantitative easing was to prop up asset prices. It created this phony wealth effect. A Yahoo Finance report last year concluded that some 98% of the stock market increase was due to Federal Reserve monetary policy. 
In other words, the Fed pumped up a big, ugly stock market bubble. People want to say, see, printing money didn't cause inflation. Well, of course it did. Increasing the money supply is the definition of inflation. Now, it's true, consumer prices haven't risen significantly, but when you look at stock prices, it's clear that's where a lot of this money is gone. We had stock market inflation instead of price inflation. Anyway, if the Fed aggressively tightens, or perhaps even if the market expects it to, this will obviously reverse the process. That means the house of cards they have created will come tumbling down. The question is, how far can it go? Peter compared it to the proverbial straw on a camel's back. Quote, the problem is, at some point, the straw is going to be one too many. You just don't know that until you put it up there and watch the camel's knees buckle. I mentioned Toys R Us. The company filed for bankruptcy earlier this week. It's the second largest U.S. retail bankruptcy ever. Toys R Us had $6.6 billion in assets at the time of filing. Only Kmart was bigger. It had $16.3 billion in assets when it went under in 2002. Toys R Us is the biggest retail company collapse of the year, but it's certainly not alone. It's pretty much been a bloodbath in the retail sector this year. As Bloomberg put it, the filing is the latest blow to a brick-and-mortar retail industry, which has seen a string of bankruptcies from Payless and Gymboree Corporation to Perfumania Holdings. Chains are reeling from store closures, sluggish mall traffic, and the gravitational pull of Amazon's lower costs and global home delivery. More than 10% of U.S. retail space, or nearly 1 billion square feet, may need to close, convert to other uses, or renegotiate rent, according to data from CoStar Group. Now, everybody wants to blame the internet, and specifically Amazon, but that's clearly not the whole story. The increase in online sales simply doesn't account for the total slump in brick-and-mortar sales. Peter's been saying, and I agree with him, the economy isn't everything the pundits keep saying it is. A lot of Americans are struggling. Over the summer, credit card debt eclipsed a record set during the summer of 2008. Americans carry $1,021.7 billion of revolving debt. Credit card balances went up $4.1 billion in the month of July alone. Overall, household debt is also at record levels. The story behind the Toys R Us bankruptcy gives us a glimpse at the fundamental problem eroding the strength of the U.S. economy, easy money created by Federal Reserve monetary policy. The ability to borrow a lot of money at low interest rates fuels borrowing and speculations. Malinvestment distorts the economy and inflates bubbles that eventually pop. That's the story of Toys R Us. In 2005, KKR and Bain Capital bought Toys R Us for about $6.6 billion. But as Forbes put it, the private equity guys didn't buy the company with equity. They only put in $1.3 billion, and they used company assets to raise $5.3 billion in additional debt, making total debt for the company a whopping $6.2 billion. The debt was actually double the company's net profits. Now, put this into some historical context. The Fed dropped interest rates in 2002 in response to the dot-com collapse. Rates were creeping back up in 2005, but they were still at very low levels. The Fed wanted people to borrow and spend to stimulate the economy. And they did. Now, the equity guys would have had a much more difficult time swinging this kind of deal in a normal interest rate environment. This vividly illustrates how central bankers feed the business cycle and the unfortunate side effects of their policies. The retail bubble began to inflate in the 1990s and the early 2000s. 
Hundreds of stores opened. Monetary policy helped keep the bubble inflated. The Federal Reserve has held interest rates low for nearly a decade and engaged in other monetary policies meant to stimulate consumption. The goal? Keep consumers spending money. And of course, it's worked. Americans have opened up their pocketbooks and burned up those credit cards to keep the retail blimp afloat. Now, the air is coming out. There are some other interesting developments on the horizon we cover on the Shift Gold website this week. I've talked about debt being the mother of all bubbles. Well, a report from the Bank of International Settlements says worldwide debt may actually be understated by $13 trillion. Last week, I talked about China developing a yuan-based gold-backed oil contract and how this was a step toward undermining the dominance of the U.S. dollar. This week, information from the World Gold Council showed that Russia was the world's top gold purchaser. China is second. It really looks like these two countries are working to create an alternative to the international dollar system, and they're using gold to create the stability necessary to make their plan work. Pretty smart. There are a couple of articles on the website that dig deeper into this potential shift in economic power from west to east. Also, there's an interesting article on a cryptocurrency website that says now is a good time to buy gold. It took a very similar position as we do here at Shift Gold. It's always a good idea to diversify. Some investors have made a lot of money in the world of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, but there is no denying it's a risky world. Diversifying your cryptocurrency portfolio with precious metals can help mitigate some of the potential downside and put you in an overall stronger financial position. Shift Gold can help you convert some of your Bitcoin into precious metals. Call 1-88-GOLD-160 and one of our precious metal specialists can tell you more. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast over at iTunes. There's a link at the show notes page. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.